This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to the Underdog Podcast, where we talk G5 football and only G5 football for Underdog Dynasty. Uh, Once again, the Conference USA edition of the show. On this one, we are going to jump back into the week that was for week six and preview all the exciting action of week seven. I'm Joe Londrigan, a Western Kentucky blogger over at UnderdogDynasty.com, and with me, as always, the former Old Dominion and Boston College kicker, Mr. Satchel Ziffer. How are you this fine morning? I'm good, Joe. How are you? <laughs> Sounding uh, convincing as always. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm doing all right. Um, little little surprised at the state of Western Kentucky, but I will dive into that further as we as we go through. And uh, today's going to be a special edition. We went to Twitter for your questions, and we'll dive into that at some point. And um, you guys get sassy when we ask for your opinion. So hey, you know what? I'm just I'm just glad people are actually listening at this point. So. Yeah. <laughs> Without further ado, then let's uh, let's jump back into the week that was uh, for week six. Uh, Middle Tennessee hosted Florida International, got away with a 37-17 win. Uh, in the absence of Brent Stockskill, John Arzua uh, completed 80% of his passes for 250 yards and a touchdown. And the running backs for MTSU had a great day as well. Brad Anderson ran for 112 yards and 11 carries, and uh, Tavares Thompson had three TDs on six carries. That that offense looked pretty dang good for for Middle. Yeah, like you said, I mean, Arzoa really helped out by you know having a very efficient game, 25, 31, 250 yards, one touchdown. Uh, kind of set up the running game in a way, and I mean, I just kind of feel bad for their their. Uh, they're smaller back because Tavares Thomas, <laughs> literally six rushes, three touchdowns. So every other rush was a touchdown for him. Um, FIU, obviously, they didn't keep themselves in the game. Had four fumbles throughout the game. Um, only gave up one, but uh, had an interception too. So whenever you're, you're losing the turnover battle, you're you have a way better chance of losing the game. For sure, and that that what you said kind of reminded me of like how if this was a fantasy game, fantasy owners would be of Brad oh, Anderson would be yeah you'd be hysterical because like every time they got in the red zone, they just handed off to Tavares Thomas and he would take it in. <laughs> so yeah, it's like Jackson. It was like Jacksonville back in the day. They had um, Maurice Jones Drew never actually ran the ball until they were in the ten yard line. Right. <laughs> so you just picked up Maurice Jones Drew just because you knew he was going to score touchdowns. So exactly. So UAB. Uh, snuck away with one against oh, yeah. Louisiana Tech. And I, I called the point cover. It was point uh, two. I know, I never mind. I didn't. I lie. I said 28-27. <laughs> no worries. But, I mean, you got the one-point game close enough. And, yes. Uh, yeah. And as you pointed out to me, uh, you know, Jonathan Barnes starting to struggle a little bit, despite yeah. the great season he's had up to this point. Barnes actually missed an extra point to tie it with about three and a half minutes to play. He kind of, he made it on the play before, but there was kind of a weird penalty that I'm not sure I completely agreed with on the first one that negated the made kick. What would have been the game-winning field goal was actually blocked <laughs> with three seconds to play. So 
Heartbreak for the Bulldogs, great one if you're a UAB fan. They stay undefeated at home. Yeah, Barnes, one for two on field goal, one for three on extra points. That's the kind of day that takes you out of any contention for uh, a national award. So sorry about that, John. Um, mm-hmm. Spencer Brown also had a fantastic day rushing the ball, uh, 165, one touchdown. Uh, clean game, actually, overall. I mean, there was no turnovers by either team. Uh, just a well-fought game. Just shows you that when you put you put two good teams against each other, I mean, we can see how good UAB now is because we knew how good El Tech was. So it would be interesting going forward for them to see if UAB just continues to grow off this and keep the momentum pushing forward. Yeah, absolutely. And UAB has another game at home next week, too. So, I, you know, whatever it is in the water down there in Birmingham with just the excitement over having it's the team sulfur. back. And, yeah, it's <laughs> sulfur in the water. Uh, yeah, pretty much. The excitement of Birmingham right now is really feeding into how the guys are playing at home. Unfortunately, your Old Dominion Monarchs losing by uh, 30 to FAU, 58 to 28. Eight rushing touchdowns for Florida Atlantic in that one. Uh, four for Jason Driscoll, two for Devin Singletary. 453 rushing yards for FAU. That moves him into the uh, top 10 in the nation in terms of rushing offenses. And then uh, four picks from Stevie Williams in that one. Yeah, I mean, he is the QB of the future, and I still believe that. But he was thrown into a position, and it's obvious that he wasn't ready for it. He needs to still develop. Uh, he even said it in a couple press conferences since he started playing in the UNC game. Yeah, he had four interceptions, and no matter what Jeremy Koss can do on the ground, which this game was 202 yards, two touchdowns, uh, you're always going to lose the game if you throw four interceptions. I mean, there's no way to come back from that. Uh, like you said, rushing attack for FAU is fantastic. Uh, I think they're just going to stay to that. They're going to make someone have to beat them that way. And unfortunately for them, their biggest game this year will probably be the Marshall game. And Marshall has a very good rushing defense. So hopefully they stop being as much one-dimensional if they want to win this conference. But right now, I just ride it out. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever works, man. <laughs> Wise words from the former Monarch. The next one, we had Marshall getting a win against Charlotte 14-3. to um, This game is really not as close as the score would Dude. seem. A couple lost fumbles and a missed field goal, uh, plus a turnover on downs for the Thundering Herd in this one. And uh, considering that Marshall actually nearly doubled Charlotte's yardage in this one, we kind of talked a little bit in the past couple of weeks about how when Hassan Clue kind of gets more involved in the rushing attack for Charlotte, they tend to look better, but only four rushing yards for the 49er QB in that game. Yeah, I mean, and he's not a quarterback. I I guess he is technically a quarterback, but 45% completion percentage, I mean, that's just... I mean, that's on the season. I mean, this this game he was like 40%. So you're not going to win a game if you can't throw the ball at least halfway decent, and they're not even at halfway decent right now. So Marshall should have won this game by a lot. It should have been like 31-3, to 35-3, to something around there. Uh, they fumbled the ball. It was kind of interesting. You know, they could have – Marshall, the thing that scares me about them is I still think they're a very good team, and I think they have probably the best chance of winning the conference, but they shoot themselves on the foot. And it can come back to bite them one day if they allow it to. So I agree with you. I think Charlotte is kind of the best bet to win uh, that division right now. They move up. Marshall, to... you mean? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Charlotte ain't winning it. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Don't don't let me start doing that. But yes, I think Marshall <laughs> is the uh, best bet to win 
the Conference USA East right now. They move up to four and one overall and one and zero in conference play. Uh, Florida Atlantic is uh, in first place in the East right now because they have played one more conference game and thus have one more win. Um, but uh, Chase Litton's playing fantastic. Uh, they have a great receiving core, and um, the offensive line the last couple of weeks has just played, I think, the best out of any uh, Conference USA team thus far, at least in those two games anyway. Uh, we kind of saw this next result coming. Uh, Army 49, Rice 12. Army just torched Rice for 418 yards. Rice lost five fumbles. LQB Miklos Smalls threw a pick six. It was just a bad day all around for the Rice Owls, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, we all knew it was going to come. I mean, Army's going to just rush the ball, you and you're not going to be able to stop it. It's just the reality of it. And Rice isn't a good enough team to even stop another, like a team that has a halfway decent rushing attack. So when you play a powerful one, there's no way. I Yeah, Rice is never going to really have a chance in this game. It's never going to work out for them. So moving forward, Rice just needs to kind of collect themselves and see if they can at least win one more game this season. Do you think that happens? No. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, the Army passing attack in this one, I mean, that's... Nine yards, man. Nine yards on three attempts. And, yeah. And one Impressive. Intercept. Yeah, yeah, and one interception. I mean, I guess, <laughs> anyway, uh, another tough day for Rice. The Army Black Knights, not in the conference, so we won't dive into it, but uh, looking pretty darn good this year. Southern Miss and UTSA, this one was a surprise in terms of the result, but... It was a really great game, and I think we all thought it was going to be a great game. First start for Southern Miss QB Keon Howard since the season opener, and he goes out and throws for 212 yards and three TDs. I mean, the Southern Miss offense was just getting it done. UTSA's offense just really didn't take advantage of the opportunities presented to him. I have I have two things that really kind of stood out this game that I think are the reasons that AUSM won and UTSA lost. Ida Smith, I mean... Great running back, 178 yards and 17 carries. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other side of the ball, you had to feel bad for Sturm, who, you know, he had a great game, 367 yards, three touchdowns, the one interception. But other than that, he played a pretty fantastic game. I think the big difference in this game and what made the biggest difference is um, UTSA's punter, Giannis Roustis. Uh, he only had a 31.4-yard average on five punts, uh, three of USM's, scoring drives actually started on UTSA's side of the 50. Um, you can't do that. <laughs> you can't You can't allow a team to be able to go 20 yards and at least score some points. Um, that's not possible. And, you know, it, it, that you're never going to win a game if you don't – if you can't win – if you're that far behind in the field uh, advantage game. Or can't even think right now. Yeah, punter bad, do better. <laughs> <laughs> to put it in the simplest of terms, punter bad. Yes do better uh utsa actually led at the half in that one 13 to 7 and uh usm came back with 14 points in the third quarter utsa zero points in that quarter uh utsa actually got back within uh two with a minute left but usm recovers the onside kick runs the clock out uh game over um but yeah like you were talking about with utsa the special teams miscues just a little too much and just at the end of the day, not scoring enough points than your opponents, which is how football works. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> um, and then, solid game plan. Yes. Score. Do the thing. Win the points. Yeah. <laughs> the last game that happened last week, uh, Western Kentucky 15, UTEP 14, another squeaker in Conference USA. Mike White was uh, had 208 passing yards on 24 completions. 
And the Tops just really owe Brady Viles a steak dinner at this point. The UTEP kicker was 0 of 3 on field goals, including uh, what would have been the game winner late. Uh, the Western offense was was bad in this game, save for a couple of drives. Um, however, UTEP playing with a little bit of fire um, in the absence of uh, Sean Kugler with Mike Price at the helm for the interim. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think it was more Price. I think it was probably just the fact that, you know, they didn't have this burden of having, like, I, I don't know exactly what happened, but it had to be something bad. I mean, this guy had to have been poisoned for the locker room, toxic. And, you know, Western Kentucky obviously just kind of squeaked by in this one and probably should have actually lost this game just by based on the kicking game just being awful for UTEP. But, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I still don't believe, like I said last week, that he's Price is the answer, but at least he's giving these kids some motivation and not, go 0-12, I guess. Right. No, I mean, I think you made a good point last week where we were talking about it might as well be anybody at the helm at this point. Yeah, as long as it's not him. Right, right. You know, it it might as well be a cardboard cutout or whatever. But I think the fact that just they came out and just more or less had nothing to lose, they were just playing hard. But I think just the fact, the, the thing that really separated them from Western in this one was Western has more talent and I think that just kind of carried them over because for whatever reason it, the offense just is not clicking for the Hilltoppers right now and pretty much nothing's clicking for UTEP but they were just more into that game which kind of is why they stayed around for so long but we'll see uh, what happens if the Tops can kind of get it together at their last chance for a tune-up game next week when they host Charlotte. Um, but in keeping with all this UTEP talk, we'll go ahead and dive into our mailbag section for this week. Well, uh, mail satchel. Mail satchel. You are correct. Yes. yes. Uh, we'll, we'll call this segment mail satchel whenever we do it. Uh, don't know if this will be a regular thing from week to week, but uh, for this week, figure we might as well. We're at uh, we're pretty close to the midway point of the season anyway. So yeah, let's see what. <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah, we, we got to keep boosting uh, Satchel's ego. So just anytime you submit a question for this, make sure you huh. attach the label of, I have a question for the mail Satchel this week. Mailbag yeah. is no and longer then, used. Yeah, and I will not be answering any of your questions if you don't add a compliment about me at the end of it all. So <laughs> <laughs> let's feed my ego, people. Okay, we'll start it with this one. In keeping <laughs> with the UTEP talk, Satchel, was WKU's yes. near loss to UTEP just a spark of energy from Price, or can UTEP upset some conference teams this year? By the way, your hair looks very nice. Thank you. But no, they can't. They're not going to. Uh, they, they're they going to go 0-12 this year. Uh, maybe if they had a little bit of easier schedule, but the rest of their schedule reads at USM versus UTSA at Middle Tennessee at UNT and then at or hosting Louisiana Tech and then at UAB. So no, right? No, the the did you ever pull the trigger on that soundboard? No, I can no. I oh. can bring myself to do it. I wanted to. <laughs> Would have been a nice addition. Oh well, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, like you were kind of saying, the cupcake, quote unquote, part of their schedule is kind of over. If they were gonna get a win against any of these teams, it's pretty much over. But the next two weeks alone, where you have USM and UTSA. Uh, two of the better offenses in the league, and then also Middle and then North Texas, and all you know, all these teams that are easily in contention uh, for winning their division at some point, or winning their division this year rather. So it's going to be a long 
few weeks for YouTube yeah. fans, unfortunately, which <laughs> we've kind of been preaching all year long. Um, better luck next year. <laughs> right, right. Which is that, which um, talking about those teams, this is kind of a nice transition into our next question. How many losses will our conference champion have this season? Ooh, well, um, unless UTSA or Marshall wins it, at this point it's going to be two to three at least. So um, I personally believe that the East is already kind of just a two-way battle, and we kind of already alluded to this with FAU and Marshall. I think it's going to be a big game on November 3rd when Marshall heads to FAU to play, I believe. Um, that game is uh, it's probably going to decide whoever the champion is of the East. Uh, West is just kind of crazy right now. You just have to say, unless something changes, that UTSA is going to like figure out their stuff and maybe win, or Louisiana Tech. Both are just off their off a tough loss this week, so I think they're going to both come out steaming. But um, you never know. USM could also be back in now that they're kind of you know gain some momentum. Um, but I would say most likely, I think Marshall's going to win it, and Marshall has some losses already on the season, or they only have one loss on the season. Um, so I'm going to say them with two losses, I think. I'm going to say three. I'm, I'm pretty torn on who I think is going to win uh, the league right now, but I think Marshall is a pretty safe bet for uh, the East. But I don't, know, I don't know. This Florida Atlantic team has played really well in spurts this year, and if they can you know, at least just keep it to the point where they don't, lose more conference games than Marshall. They could get into the game or get into the title game rather. And uh, they already have three losses on the year because they were just, you know, too much to figure out with uh, playing Wisconsin. And um, who was the other uh, power five team they played uh, at the beginning of the year? FAU. The Cleveland Browns. (laughs) Yes. Um, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I think they played like army or Navy actually. Yeah, it was Navy. Yeah. 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 They, which not a power five team, but anyway, um, yeah, they lost to Navy. They lost to Wisconsin, which I think I, at least I kind of figured we're going to be too much for him, but you know, I'm going to say, I'm going to say three at the end of the day. Uh, you know, if, if I think with Florida Atlantic already having three losses, I think Marshall maybe win, maybe loses two. um, all the teams that are in contention to win the West already have two losses. So yeah, I'm yeah. going to say, I'm going to say three at this point. Um, for the conference champion. And then this question will be great for you. There are still some wins left on ODU's schedule, but can they make it to a bowl game, and does Lawry come back? So I'll start with the last question, which is, does Lawry come back? Uh, that's an interesting question because I've been you know, speaking with some guys on the team, and I've been listening to you know what people have been writing, too, and... Uh, apparently he's in talks with his parents about, you know, do I come back this season or do I just take the medical red shirt? So that's an interesting thing to look for coming forward. I personally don't think he should come back. I don't know if he will or not, because I don't know what he wants in his future. I don't know if he's going to try and go to the NFL. Um, I would say it's a shame if he doesn't try, of course, but, um, you know, obviously I would have, I would prefer him coming back because, just, you know, the chance of having getting your master's degree and also playing and, you know, not have, having the chance to kind of do something great next year, which it could be great. I, I would definitely take the chance to come back. But that's, you know, that's his decision. We're going to support him no matter what he does. ODU, the, yeah, there are some wins still in the schedule. I mean, we have games like Charlotte, Rice, FIU. Um, those are actually the only three games I think where I even have a chance of winning at this point. And um, I know it sucks to say, but I think... 
the only way we can actually win more is if we actually put Blake LaRusso back at quarterback. I think Stevie Williams needs time to kind of develop still. I don't think, I think he's making rash decisions in the pocket. He has that athletic edge that we need, but at the same time, I just think he's still young. He doesn't understand the speed of the game with some of these kids. So especially those FAU corners who just, now, obviously, speed showed up there, and, you know, he wasn't ready for it. Yes, yeah, so that'll be interesting. You know, I'll be, uh, I don't think we're going to go to a bowl game this year, to be honest. I, I think we're going to end the season with four or five wins. It'll be interesting. I think four, we definitely get wins against Charlotte and Rice. I think FIU will be an interesting one. I don't know if we'll win that one or not, but Bush Davis has that team at least looking decent. So I think they're probably in a similar spot as us right now where – you know, it's going to be hard for them to go to a bowl game, but that'll be kind of a deciding factor right there for them. So, If you could just trade one of those games for UTEP. <laughs> exactly. That's all I want, man. <laughs> well, well. So, sounds like Satchel does not think ODU goes to a bowl game this year. Moving on to the uh, North Texas portion of the program. Uh, if, hey. <laughs> if North Texas hey. wins eight or more games this season, is Seth Luttrell snatched up by a P5 school? Satchel, your thoughts. No. <laughs> no. Dude, you, you got to understand, man. This isn't like Western Michigan. This isn't PJ Fleck. PJ Fleck went like an overall combined record over four years of like 40 and like five or some like some crazy record or something. It was some ridiculous thing in Western Michigan over this four year span. Um, he's only Seth Luttrell's only in his second year there, man. And he went five and eight last year. Eight, eight and five is not like a miracle season for. Uh, you know, a small conference team. I mean, we are a small conference for CSA. And you still have three teams still undefeated in the American right now. You have three teams that have four wins in the American right now. They'll, they're close to a Power 5 team. Um, a big Power 5 school isn't going to consider someone with eight wins over a team that has ten wins in the American that is faster to bridge the gap. They're bridging the gap with those guys in, in the American because they're closer to Power 5. They have more resources than us. They understand kind of, you know, the competition they're playing. The next USA coach that gets hired by a Power 5 team is going to be Lane Kiffin. It's it's obvious he's going to be. This is this was his stepping stone to get back into Power Five head coaching positions. All right, that's a little bit of a Mike Trop answer on that point. Can't really say it any better myself. Uh, Seth Luttrell, um, eight and ten as a head coach. Um, he's only ever been the, or I'm sorry, he's been the head coach at North Texas for the last couple of years. I believe he was the uh, he was an assistant head coach at North Carolina under Larry Fedora as well. But like you said, he's probably not going to get scooped up by any Power 5 program, at least not at the end of this year. We'll see how he kind of further develops as a coach. But perfect transition into our next question. Why does Underdog Dynasty hate North Texas, and why is this objectively true? I have so many good answers I came up with for this one. <laughs> so my first that I already pointed out on Twitter mm-hmm. was that you guys stole the name Mean Green from The Big Green, the movie, the soccer movie. Mm-hmm. Good good movie about te- in Texas. Um, you might have had the name earlier than them, but at the same time, they're more important to me right now. <laughs> um, okay, so here are some of my other answers for why I and UDD hate UNT and why it is objectively true. You guys have that pointy thing on your stadium. It's really stupid, and you need to get rid of it. Um, <laughs> no one knows. No one knows where Denton is. Seriously, go to a bigger city. Um, your name is the Mean Green, yet your team wears a very inviting shade of green on the field. So at that 
for that, uh, you know, you're kind of contradicting yourself. So I just, you know, be less contradictory. Um, Seth Luttrell looks like the kid from Up right after he goes through, like, his awkward 20s. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So those are my those are my reasons. Feel free to add yours, everyone. <laughs> Once you hear mine, yeah. <laughs> you took that in a way better direction than I would. All all I had to say was like we we have a, we have a North Texas beat writer. He pastes like more frequently than I do. Anyway, uh, I mean, we I, last couple of weeks we've been talking about how good North Texas's rushing offense was. I picked Jeffrey Wilson to be my offensive player of the year in the league. I mean, I don't know what else you want, North Texas. Yeah, you, you guys you are think really we hate you, but I I will build the shrine if you need me to build you a shrine, just to, <laughs> just to prove that I don't hate North Texas. <laughs> just kidding, like I do. <laughs> said he looks like the kid from Up when he grows up. <laughs> That was really funny. All right. If we have no more questions, if you know, if you ever have a question that you want to pose to Satchel or myself or UDD, just tweet it at us. We will more than happily read it and probably address it on the show. Yeah, and if it's a long question, if it's a long question, make sure just to add to that question your compliment. That'll work out. So you're making the case that Twitter needs to instigate the 280 character limit for Correct. everybody Just for as me. long as it's a question to you because they need the room to add the compliment at the end. Correct. Exactly. All right. So. I, I'm a huge proponent of that. Everyone but people within a half mile radius of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue should have access to 280 characters on Twitter. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Just, just tag Twitter support. In you know your tweets, add an image so you can t- tag up to nine people. Just tag all the Twitter support accounts. <laughs> like yeah. I need 280 characters so I can tell Satchel he looks nice today. <laughs> exactly. Moving on from the mail Satchel, we'll go ahead and dive into Week Seven previews. Marshall hosting Old Dominion that game at 2:30 East Coast time on ESPN three. Uh, I think Marshall's going to beat ODU. Marshall's just got the number one scoring defense in the league right now, and ODU's offense is just struggling. And uh, like I was talking about earlier, Chase Litton's playing really well. Um, I think they kind of clean up some of the mistakes they had against Charlotte last week and win this game by mm, two touchdowns. That's a fair comparison, Joe. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't even really want to talk about it because it kind of depresses me. Um, we're going to lose. It's going to happen. Um, Marshall's a good team. Obviously, I think they're going to win the conference this year. That's all I can really say on that note. I just don't think – I think ODU needs to figure out certain things. I mean, obviously, we've lost a lot of guys this year. That's going to put a burden on us. And obviously, were you playing a freshman quarterback that's 17 years old until – November. Um, he he threw four interceptions. We could have easily we could have kept that game close. I mean, it was only thirty-one twenty-one at the beginning of the second half last week, and he just the interceptions killed us. So until he kind of learns to not make those rash decisions, um, we're going to continue to lose. So look for Marshall. You know, key us big within the rushing game, and you know, stack the box. And uh, hopefully Jeremy Cox can, you know, have a good game like last week. But I don't 
see that happening, especially with that stout rushing defense of Marshall's. Yeah, Marshall probably going to come away with a victory in that one. Um, second game on the schedule, Charlotte heading to Bowling Green, Kentucky to face the Western Hilltoppers at 3.30 local time at LT Smith Stadium. That one going to be on Flow Football, which is a stupid platform, but anyway. Um, <laughs> I Western will win, but they need something to get the monkey off of Mike Stanford's back right now. The offense doesn't look great. The defense has actually played pretty well. They're only giving up um, – they've given up 88 points all year, which is actually the best they've had since they came to FBS. Um, which is, you know, you think about what Western's done this year, and you can talk about how much they've struggled and the things they've done wrong, but they, they've done quite a few things right, especially under uh, Clayton White uh, and that new 4-2-5 defense. Um, I actually tweeted an article from uh, the Bowling Green Daily News earlier, so you can go check that out, and it kind of highlights all the little things that they've kind of done right, especially with all the DB injuries they've suffered, but... Anyway, um, I, I think Western takes this one by a couple scores. I'm going to say 21 to 10. Yeah, I think. I mean, I don't think you're giving enough credit. I don't think Charlotte's good. So I think Western wins this one 35 to 10. I hope it is that. I am longing to see Western put up a bunch of points on people like they did in the last couple of years. But uh, <laughs> it's crazy how much Mike Sanford has put an emphasis on establishing the running game and making sure that fast of the offense is running well, but I'm, I believe they have the worst rushing offense in the league right now. So yeah, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. So hopefully that changes next one on the docket, middle Tennessee heading to Birmingham, tough place to play at uh five local time at Legion field middle, uh, played pretty well, but UAB hasn't lost at home. Like I was talking about, um, Plus, stock skill is still doubtful here. Richie James is questionable, and but he played against FIU, so they at least have um, one of those two back. But I, I think UAB takes it. You know, they're playing really well. They're at home. Middle's big win last week was against FIU, which you know isn't a huge thing to celebrate. I think they still have a few issues to work out. Yeah, I think same thing. I think uh, UAB actually is just continuing to get better and better, and that's what you want to see in a team, especially like midseason. Now you want to keep seeing him getting better and better. You don't want to see him kind of plateau. And UAB's doing just that, and they're kind of – it took a couple of weeks. I mean, those guys haven't played in a real game in forever before this season. So um, it's cool to see them kind of, you know, becoming stronger and faster and, you know, a better team over the weeks. And um, I think they win this game. I actually think this is going to be kind of a blowout in a way. It's going to be something like 28-7. to 7. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I think Mendel's offense is just a little too good to score just once, but I, I do think UAB can, you know, handle them. I think they, I think they get the victory. UTSA heading to North Texas. This should be a good one at uh, 6 p.m. local time in Denton there on ESPN three. Uh, North Texas coming off a bye week and a two-game win streak. Uh, UTSA has the number three rushing defense. Uh, North Texas has the number two rushing offense in the league. So I think those two powers are going to kind of collide. And I believe that uh, UTSA's rushing offense is just below North Texas's as well. So it's going to be a nice little ground and pound action in Texas. Yeah, it's going to be a fast game. Um, I think this is like exactly like you alluded to. 
lot of offensive rushing. Um, I actually, I think UTSA technically right now is the favorite team to win this game on ESPN, mm-hmm. I think. Um, I actually am going to go with UNT. I think UNT actually wins this game. Um, you know, I'm only solely doing this off the transit of property. So, obviously, UNT is going to win this game because they beat UAB, who beat... No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. Uh, I just think UNT is actually a really good team. Um, I'm not going to hate on him anymore. I know Seth Littrell looks like uh, the kid from up, but at the end of the day, he is... They're, they are a good team. They're going to do good things this year, and this is just the start of it. And I think UNT having that break kind of let them watch that game last week, see what USM was able to do against UTSA and what worked and what didn't work and how to kind of take that, use that to their advantage. One thing I'll add to this, Dalton Sturm, if he has a big day, I think UTSA can get the victory just because North Texas actually has the worst uh, passing defense in the league right now. So if you know if they're going to have any day for Dalton Sturm to you know play the game of his life, it might as well be this one. Um, but you know I'm torn on this one. I I think you know I'm just to be contradictory. I'm going to say UTSA wins a close one here. So okay. <laughs> second to last one, UTEP visiting the Southern Miss Golden Eagles at 6 p.m. local time in Hattiesburg. Uh, Southern Miss. Back at home, riding a wave with UTEP in town. They're probably already preparing for their next game, which I believe is Alabama. Uh, they should win pretty easily against the Miners, you know, new head coach or not. I thought you were going to say they should beat Alabama pretty easily. <laughs> I was like, yeah. About that. Um, yeah, I, yeah, they should win pretty easily. Um, the weird thing will be to see, you know, obviously UTEP has this newfound, like, energy and then usm is also probably just you know scared as heck for next week because dude you're not playing a game against the worst team in your conference about to play the number one team in the country and thinking wow this utep team is probably pretty good <laughs> like, right. yeah there are all those players are already excited for next week um watch for this to actually be a very close game solely because of that uh with maybe and i'm gonna call the upset of the season because i said they're not gonna win a game but now that I think about it, UTEP is going to still lose. It's <laughs> <laughs> anti-climax. Oh, geez. The more I think about it, the more I, I would like to see UTEP win one. But, yeah. you know, I... This would, be, this would be the game if they won one. This would be it. You, th- you think if UTEP has... You think this is UTEP's best shot to not go yes. over 12 this year? Okay. Yes. And from this point on, um, they had their best chance was Rice, and they screwed that one up. So, right. yeah, this is this is their best chance to go not 0 12. If they can win somehow, figure out a way to be a coherent football team. Um, I think USM is looking ahead. Um, I don't know how you win, kinda. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're probably already game planning for Alabama. So, yeah, I, I think this is the week if they do it. UTEP, pressure's on. If you're going to get a win, now's the time. Uh, and then the one and only non-conference game on the schedule is Tulane at FIU at 7 p.m. East Coast time in Miami. Uh, Tulane's playing really, really well right now. They are 3-2, and two, and they just put up on 62 spots on Tulsa last game. But they've yet to win on the road. But... Uh, FIU will probably still lose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tulane. Um, obviously, Tulane's a good football team. I mean, they're from New Orleans, so that's cool. <laughs> I don't know what. 
I don't know much past that about them. Yeah, that's cool. They're uh, they're green and they're they're yeah. They their their name is the wave. Yeah, there you go, UNT. How about you freaking make your name something cooler than the mean green? <laughs> don't have to rhyme, bro. <laughs> So, yeah, Tulane probably going to get the win against FIU, and that wraps up our preview of Week 7 for Conference USA. Um, at this point, uh, Satchel, do you have anything for your question of the week that you want to pose? I, I, you know, I'm thinking about it right now. So this is, this is my question of the week. It has nothing to do with football. Okay. I just want to know, what is your most anticipated movie coming out before the end of the year? There's a couple good ones. Yeah, yeah, before the end of the year. Well, Star Wars comes out before the end of the year, right? Yeah, Christmas time. Yeah, then that one, absolutely. Really? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I love Star Wars, and I think what they've you done... you seen so- the new trailer? Oh, yeah. That's been on repeat okay. at our house, like, all day. And then I just <laughs> come home, and my girlfriend just, like, has, like, tears in her eyes. I'm like, what are you looking at? She's like, I'm just looking at pictures of porgs, so... <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I think that I think that one's gonna be pretty good. What about you? Um, either that or the the Thor movie, Thor Ragnarok. That looks pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, it got really good ratings too. Did it? Okay. Um, yeah. I I missed the last couple Marvel movies, and not that they were not that I thought like they were bad. I just kind of I don't know. I just lost interest. I don't know. I okay. So they, let me let me ask a follow up question then. I'm going to ask a follow-up movie question. Sure. What is, what is your go-to snack at the movie theater? You know what you got to do? You got to get the popcorn and okay. the Reese's Pieces and mix them together. A little sweet, a little savory. That is so gross. You are <laughs> a terrible human being. <laughs> <laughs> oh, whatever. No, it's it's good. I promise. Um, if you get if you give it a shot, um, and now I'm just looking at movies that are coming out this year. Uh, Justice League's coming out. I have not. Oh, those movies all suck. The DC Comics needs to step up their game because their their movies have been awful. Yeah, I right. haven't I haven't seen any of the like DC Cinematic Universe stuff yet. But everybody's you know other than Wonder Woman, everybody said they've been terrible. So I I don't really have high hopes. I'm probably not gonna. Yeah, and Wonder Woman wasn't anything. even that good. Yeah, I, I wouldn't know. I didn't see it. Um, looks like they're making another Saw movie, which would be interesting. Um, what is it Saw Thirty Seven? <laughs> it might as well be called that, but I believe it's mm-hmm. just, I believe it's just Jigsaw. It looks like I think it's a, like a prequel. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I kind of want to see that uh, that movie, The Foreigner. It's like Jackie Chan coming back um, <laughs> playing that one. I don't Jackie. Know. Yeah, apparently. Remember, I think of Jackie Chan. I think of that cartoon that used to be on with Jackie Chan. Where you'd fight demons. Or yeah, like Jackie dragons. Chan, Jackie Chan Adventures. Yeah. <laughs> movie. So, uh, yeah, man. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's my answer. I am most looking forward to uh, Star Wars this year. Oh, and Pitch Perfect 3, obviously. Okay, I'm going to unfollow you on Twitter. Um, <laughs> this was a good final podcast ever. Uh, next you week, know, just Satchel. Here's, here's my pitch for the Pitch Perfect movies. They're not good you know narratives are not good like stories but if you take them for what they are which is just like a bunch of little music videos strung together it's not bad and the second one is super goofy because they have like snoop dogg come in and clay matthews and all these david cross and all this weird you know crossover from different aspects of entertainment that get in on it it's they're funny movies whatever sue me 
I liked High School Musical when I was a kid, so <laughs> no biggie. Yeah, there you go. And I'm I'm a kid at heart, I guess. Uh, anything else you want to get off your chest at this point, other than you're follow- unfollowing me on Twitter? Yeah, two of you people unfollowed me on Twitter, by the way. And, it, it, <laughs> and now begins our weekly segment where Satchel airs yeah. his grievances with his Twitter followers. Yeah. I don't know who you are. I'm going to find you. And shout out to the one guy. Shout out to Chris Mettler, who messaged me on Twitter and asked me why my name was Pert Happily on Twitter. Um, if you don't know who Pert Happily is, he is the world-renowned um, news anchor for Pawnee, Indiana. Look him up. He's a great news anchor. <laughs> um, yeah, so, yeah, just that's occurred it. to me, I'm not holding my microphone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm Pert Happily, and I'm not holding my microphone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so now um my name is now just satchel ziffer on twitter unfortunately i've conformed to you you people and your twitter stuff so you change you changed your name not your handle no okay. see my handle has always been ziff 15 yeah but seriously if you're gonna follow me don't unfollow me like four days later if i don't follow you back i am sorry <laughs> Jesus. It's like that tr- episode of Seinfeld. I got a lot of problems with you people, and you're going to hear about them. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There's oh. my grievance for the day. Yes. So Awesome. Uh, okay. So that brings us to the end of the show. Thanks for listening. Uh, make sure you are following at Underdog Dynasty on Twitter. Uh, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Leave us a review if you found us there. Also, follow myself and Satchel on Twitter. I am at J-O-E-H-I-O underscore. Satchel is at Z-I-F-F underscore 15. He is no longer paired happily. Single tier. Um, and then, uh, yeah, like us on Facebook as well. And go read underdogdynasty.com. We work really hard on it, and we appreciate you guys following it. And my outro will be, I hate you, North Texas. Happy football watching, everybody.